This content is intended for adult cigar smokers age 21 and older. Is somebody watching this right now? On... Oh, oh, never mind. That's me. Yeah, that's me. I can, I was, I hear it on YouTube. All right, we're all set now. We're ready to go. So, John. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm proud to be a guinea pig to get this thing actually all the kinks, you know, so that when you get somebody actually that people want to watch, they'll be like, it'll be seamless. Soon you're going to see all the presented by JR Cigars and the JR logo just disappear off the thing at the bottom left. <laughs> we got all the bugs worked out with Huber so that when you get Sokka on or Nick Melillo, everything will be very seamless and they can thank me for that later so absolutely know exactly who we're having on later this week (laughs) uh no we're we're trying to get a bunch of people on and honestly if this goes on for a couple weeks you know if you want to we'll get you on again we can do a lot of fun things uh i would love for it to be a nice day where i can set up in the driveway here so i can actually smoke yeah like the old-fashioned italian just chewing on one there you go damn i'm jealous beautiful size though um, I'd love to uh, so, juggle for you guys, you know, something. Maybe. Can you? I don't, yeah. That would be can a, you juggle be, the Barbies? That would be a treat, wouldn't it? That would be such a John Hoover thing to do. Like, oh yeah, I can also juggle. I can juggle. Yeah. Okay, before I got in cigars, I, you know, was with the traveling circus for a while. Made a lot of money. Carney. I was a carny. You think these tattoos came with no, you know. <laughs> with no backstory? You're right, exactly, right. <laughs> Excuse so, me. a lot of things we could talk about first. Big announcement today um, that, unfortunately, you know, with everything going on, I, I feel like I, I want to tell people about it more. Big announcement on Cigar Aficionado about a brand new line, but not technically brand new because apparently you guys have worked on it before, but it's a new Four Kicks line you guys are just announcing. So can you all can you tell us a little bit about that, please? Correct. And, you know, to, to your point about, unfortunately, with a lot of stuff going on, I think that was exactly why we wanted to announce it now is because I think people are dying for some sort of a diversion. Um, you know, we're inundated every single day on the hour, on the half hour with updates. From now we're up to this many and this many. There's nothing good. Nothing good's coming out. And, um, you know, people want a little, let's, let's look at towards the end of the tunnel because this is going to be over. We know it's going to end at some point, whether it's two weeks or two months. So when that is over, let's give people something to look forward to. So, yes, we announced Four Kicks Capa Especial today on Cigar Aficionado online. It did. Thomas Papalardo did an excellent story on it, um, and we are terribly excited to have it out. This was in the in the, the plans for a while, and it just rather than hit the pause button because of the whole COVID thing, we decided let's just go with the timeline that we had initially established. So we're 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 on time with this. It's it's been in production. Unfortunately, Tabacalera La Alianza had to close down in the DR for at least a week. Um, possibly more. So, but prior to that, we did get uh, we're in production. You'll see pictures of the product on Cigar Aficionado and on our social media. Um, what can I tell you about it? It's it's just, here's the here's the backstory to it. Here's what what really is interesting to me is when we were when we first started Crown Heads, we announced it in February of eleven, but we didn't know. Who was going to make the cigar, right? We had no idea what the cigar was going to be, nothing. We just So Mike and I go out on this whole dog and pony show trying to meet factories, meet tobacco people, trying to figure out where we're going to go. Very, very long story short, we decide we're going to go with Ernie, with Ernesto Perez Carrillo. But Ernie wasn't making any contract grants for anybody at the time. It was just his thing, right? It was EPC, and then before that he was making stuff for General or what have you. And so... We were, we were really kind of our back against the wall, like, well, we hope this works. 
once we we got through that hurdle, we started working on the first blend, which was eventually going to be four kicks. And so what the story behind Kappa is, we got down to the final stages of blend selection. We like, I wanted to use particularly Habano wrapper, Ecuador Habano wrapper, because in my previous life with CAO, we had a cigar called La Traviata. I was very, I remember that. I came in the jars. That, that cigar, and it was like just, I loved that cigar. I loved working with Habano wrapper. So that's kind of where I saw Four Kicks going. Meanwhile, Ernie, with his 150 years of expertise, is going, you really should try Sumatra. You really should. I love Sumatra. You try. And he was a, still is a big Sumatra guy. So he had a blend that he had worked up. We had these other two blends over here that were Habano. At the end of it, he says, "You look, you guys have to make the decision. You're going to live and die by this cigar. If it does great, good for you. If it doesn't, it's on your shoulders, not mine. So make the choice. So I said, oh, okay. We choose Habano recipe. So what we're doing now, nine years later, is turning and going back to that original blend that Ernie preferred, which was the Sumatra wrapper and a little bit of Dominican in the filler as well, a little slightly tweaked filler. And that is becoming Crown Heads, Four Kicks, Capa Especial. So Four Kicks was always the name you were going with for yeah. your first line. Yes, right? absolutely, absolutely. And that had something to do with, was that the one that had to do with a song from like... Uh, Kings of Leon. Yeah, the Kings of Leon. Kings right. of Leon, because at the, the final, you know, weeks, months of uh, CAO life, I, it was, I, I could go on, we could do a whole show on that. That was kind of a crazy time. But I was listening to that song all the time, all the time. It was just, it's a very rebellious, anti-establishment song, and that's kind of really how I felt about the whole situation and, and, and the big corporate America taking our, you know, little cottage industry and, you know, off to Richmond they go. And so that's why Four Kicks was always going to be the, the launching pad, so to speak. Well, uh, you know, CAL, they, they've gone through a little, I mean, I, I, I of course love the original CAL as the work you guys did uh, on the brand. I, I'm pretty sure you guys were the ones who did the original CAL Sopranos. Wasn't it, it was under, it was under yeah. you guys and that cigar was, Outstanding. However, I got to say, Ricky Rodriguez has done some pretty cool stuff with them uh, recently, like stuff that I, I've got really gotten into. So it's cool to see that they were able to find their way back to, to make it some really cool, interesting blends. But the La Traviata, that was an outstanding smoke. And I remember because they came in those, it was like one of the first cigars I ever saw that came in those jars. We never did a jar. Uh, there, there was, then, then they must have, they must have released it hey, again hey, later. Because there was definitely a lot of traviata in, a, in like one of those ceramic jars. Yeah. Now um, you know, to this day, people sometimes ask me like, "Do you do you miss the CAO days, or do you miss CAO?" I'm like, it's really hard to miss what doesn't exist anymore. You know, yes, you still have a brand called CAO, but what made that particular thing sizzle was was the people. You know, it was Tim, it was Mickey, it was Mike, it was me. You know, we had a great crew, and it was just—it was a very unique mix of individuals that created all of that, and that doesn't exist anymore. So it's hard to miss what does not exist. Um, but we had a very, very unique. You know, I'll give you for instance, like the Sopranos thing, right? So I mean, we're this little tiny company at this point. We're nobody, and Jono, who was the owner of, of CAO and the founder. You know, he used to have this mantra that he would say, make it happen. Whatever you think you, in your imagination, you can make it happen. The only thing holding you back is yourself. But we embraced that 110%. So one day somebody came in and said, hey, is anybody watching the show on HBO called The Sopranos? You know, they're 
they're smoking cigars. And that was like a big deal. They're smoking cigars on a TV show. And uh, I said, yeah. And somebody said, well, we should probably try to get our, our brand on there. Let's try to get CAO on there. And John was like, go ahead, make it happen. And the, literally, like, you know, here's this little nobody. And um, I remember I had been in communication with a prop placement company in L.A. And they were constantly pitching me on, you know, uh, product placement deals. And I kept saying, no, 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 it was whatever. So I pick up the phone one day and I say, hey, I don't want anything else except for I want to get on The Sopranos. What does that work to you? And that's how the negotiation started. And that's how we ended up getting on the HBO show, which then HBO said, okay, you know, we want you to do a cigar specifically for the show. So it's The Sopranos, you know, HBO, The Sopranos by, by CAO, da, 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 da. So it's just interesting how the, the trajectory of things, how quickly they moved and how they escalated and. You know, like one day we're just talking about the show. The next day, you know, I'm 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 getting a picture with James Gandolfini in Vegas, and then I'm, I'm walking Frank Vincent down to our booth from uh, you know the New York Big Smoke. Mind blowing. It's crazy. Frank Vincent got a little bit involved in the cigar industry. I think we I don't know if we did a brand with him, but yeah. we we were doing something. Maybe we did an event or something. But I remember that one of our uh, product merchants, Joe, mm -hmm. uh, still has an old saved voicemail like from Frank Vincent. I still have I still have his number in in myself. You know, I can't. I have Gandolfini's number, and I'm like, I can't delete it. It's just there's something that doesn't feel right about it. You know. Well, that was weird. Is that those cigars? Um, we they had sold pretty well, like the regular ones, but then they they you guys did a sample. I don't know. Yeah, I'm guessing it was around that time. Uh, they did a sampler with uh, every size, and then the box was like the trunk of a car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and for some reason, those just didn't move. I don't know. There was a, it was at a weird time in the JR stores where like the cool stuff wasn't moving. It was as we were kind of the transition to more like we got to push, you know, make sure we're pushing these newer brands. You know, more yeah. boutique stuff was starting to come. You know, this is nine years ago at this point. Mm -hmm. um, the day he died, I'm like, oh, you know, I was a big Sopranos fan. And they filmed it like literally by my house. Like I know all the places where they film that show. So I went and I got a. Uh, I picked, I'm like, oh, I'll buy one of these samplers. I think it was like 40 bucks or something. And I smoked one. I'm like, damn, <laughs> this is really, really good. So I started like telling people about it. I think we sold out of 110 samplers in like two days. Just, wow. just because of like he had just died and everyone wanted them. Um, I ended up buying two more. And, like, I'm that one of the cigars looked like a champagne bottle. One of the cigars looked like a bullet. One of the cigars. No, no, it was, there was just, there were regular sizes. There was a bit, there was a oh, okay. two. Two thicker ones, at least one 60 ring gauge. But uh, no, they went down, you know, like the singular, you know, like big to small, the small, you know, biggest to smallest. Yeah. But they came in like this red plastic kind of box where it, you lifted up, it was like a, like a car trunk. Correct, correct. No, we, we, at one point we did do some sampler. I remember that one of the cigars was like 128 ring gauge and it was like, it was shaped like a champagne bottle. And there was a one that was shaped like a bullet. I mean, at, at some point along the line, I kind of felt like we jumped the shark a little bit, so to speak, and it kind of got a little bit sticky, a little bit corny. And th that's why with La Traviata, when we released it, I was like, let's go back. Let's go back right. to basics. Let's go back to just bare bones packaging, really good cigar, you know, and, and, and we had a lot of success with that brand. So, but well, that's also going to happen when you, once you get involved with Hollywood people. You know, they, they, they try to make it once you get involved with Hollywood people, they're going to try to make it sticky and 
No, that, no, what if we lose a cigar that, and that was like our size? Oh no, so it wasn't the That was you guys? Yeah, it was us getting sticky. So So <laughs> take me let's do the timeline. So you started out at CAO. When did CAO get sold? That was 2011? 2011? Uh started with CAO April 15th, 1996. Wow. Yeah, 1996. And literally like two or three months later, I was at the RTDA, which is now the PCA. I was at that show in Cincinnati, right? And I'm like I'm a complete newbie. I didn't even know I could get a job in the premium cigar market. I was just like, that was crazy. Got sold in, I want to say, sold to Winterman's. Was it 07, 08, something like that? And then Winterman's was acquired by STG. And then as a result of that, CAO basically got absorbed by General Cigar. And they were going to move everything to, uh, to Richmond. So that all happened in 2010. We got... We were dismissed in December. Um, marketing department was so yeah, walked anyway. And then you and then so after that, how long was it before you and Mike got together? Was it like immediately afterwards? Like hey, we we should go do something, or did you do something else for like a few months? You know, like, what, what, you know, kind of the whole the whole year of 2010, we we some of us really saw the ball. You know, it was we saw what was coming, um, and it was like you know. I don't, gosh, I can't remember when, but it, Mike just like kind of softballed me one of these kind of like, you want to do something when this is over kind of thing? Like literally that casually, I'm like, yeah, I'm in, right? And then, you know, the rest of the year we focused on fulfilling what our, our contractual obligations were to so that we could be released. Um, and we walked out December, was it December 17th, 2010, and then on the 21st, Mike and I had our first meeting. So four days later. And then by February, we had made the the announcement that we were forming Crownheads. But in betwixt all that, we just kind of like really just kind of pulled ourselves away in an office. We found office space and, um, you know, literally just spent the first three weeks outlining the philosophy of the company. Spent a lot of time on that before we even, so the, the next part, which was finding a cigar maker. So... Well, that's important because it's going to, you know, it's going to be the impetus of, of everything you do from Absolutely. then on. You don't want to like, oh, we have like three products, but like we don't know what we're about yet. So uh, it takes a little longer. Yeah. At the time, your plan. I was getting so much. I'm like, oh, God, come on, man. Let's just go. You know, what are we doing? What are we doing? And he would be with these giant white sheets. He would call, you know, we would white sheet everything and let's do this. And then we had to like finalize a philosophy. But in retrospect, looking back at it, it was probably the most valuable time spent because if you build build that foundation correctly and everything has to line up with that foundation, then everything else becomes a lot easier as far as decision-making goes. You're also not like, even when you're naming your cigars or coming up with blends or themes, is you kind of have that road. Like, it makes it easier to kind of follow. Even if you stray off it a little bit, you know, to either side, it's like, all right, we're staying on this road, though. We're not going totally this way and doing something crazy, calling it the unicorn cotton candy Something, something silly, but uh, sure. and and you could see that in all your you know all your brands. A lot of them have a little bit of difference. You know, you from the, the Las Calaveras to your state only releases to whatever. We lost. Um, you guys are still state. able. Said, Screw this! I'm out of here. She just yeah, Greg, he was just mad. He wasn't. I was asking me. I'm not playing anymore. Oh, he texted me. He just had to take care of something. He'll be right back. Oh, uh, he's got to go to the bathroom, kind of thing. Probably. Yeah. Um. But 
so what how many weeks from first meeting to you know then to calling Ernesto and then to actually getting a product in hand what, what's that what was that timeline looking like announcement was in February of 11 uh, hit the road like I think March April we we were in we were in uh, Nicaragua first then we went out to the DR uh, we were in Miami initially and that's when we had dinner with Ernie and his son but we he was just kind of like hey I wish you guys all the best da, 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 da. but the topic of conversation never came up um, after meeting we had various options on the table and like maybe let's just say a dozen and what we did was when we came back we, again with these infamous white sheets of paper we we graded every option from a, you know one to ten value system based on things like relationship you know not just cigar ratings but like ratings relationship how many brands are currently manufactured there um you know long-term projection all these different we had like seven or eight categories and we numerically did this and true story when it all came down it's like this grading system it was like you got to go with ernie you know and i was just like well that's okay that was a good exercise, but Ernie's not making contract brands for anybody. So we had to call him and say, hey, you know, Ernie, would you be interested in doing this? And thank God, knock on wood, he said, yeah. He goes, you know, it's going to be up to you guys. You're going to have to do everything. You have to validate the blends, the tobaccos and all that. But I'll be happy to help you out. So, And that was probably end of April, beginning of May. Um, then we went back down there, started sorting through tobaccos. Graduate school. I basically went to grad school with Ernie for a while, and then the very first shipment of four kicks was November the eighth, two thousand eleven. So, what was Ernie doing at this time? Because this is post. He had already sold off La Gloria and like El Rico and those brands, correct? But was correct. he still making them for them? Was he still working with General? Because this, no, I mean, this is he before had, he came out with like the live story and everything. What he did was after he sold and all that good stuff, um, he came out in two thousand and nine with the PC cigar company and they released the inaugural blend. I don't know if anybody remembers that, but that's when he started, you know, tobacco layer, La Alianza, and then they were producing that. And then he came out with like new wave, Connecticut, and a bunch of other things. Remember the new wave, yeah. Yeah. So he had been doing his own thing for himself only for a couple of years. And then we, we jumped in the mix. That's awesome. And you got in with like one of the the legends, you know, like right away. And you guys have and, and, one, yeah. of the, one of the coolest relationships. It, and to this day, it's like you couldn't want to work with anybody more. He's like family to us. I don't know any other way to put him. I call him Padrino, which means Godfather, because he's like so dear to me, my wife, my daughter, uh, Mike, his family. I mean, it's really it, it it extends beyond just a business relationship with with Ernie. It really does. It's 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 special. It's unique. Um, he's just such a good guy. You know, it's like one of the things I kind of over the years have based my, you know, judgment on is like, would I trust that guy with my kids? You know, implicitly, Ernie, yeah, absolutely, hundred and ten percent. Some other people, maybe less so. Like you know, they probably let him go run off in the street or something, whatever. But now, Ernie's, he's a, and yeah, he is a genius when it comes to tobacco. I mean, I learned more with him, like in the first year of, of Crown Heads than I learned about tobacco in, what was it, 10 years, 12 years at CAO. It just, it's crazy. It was definitely grad school. 
Well, that's what I think would also make you an interesting figure is you have a lot of guys who run their own companies, um, cigars or even beer and anything like that are like, they're marketing guys who got into this industry. But guys like you um, and Nick like, are like tobacco guys now who are like, oh, we also happen to be good at like the artwork, creating a message, creating a theme. But like, we also know the tobacco really well. And that's what it really comes down to because you can have, you know, a gold wrapper and everything. But if the cigar is garbage, don't go smoke it. I wouldn't put myself in Nick's category. Nick is a tobacco guy. Nick, he is very knowledgeable. I couldn't even, I couldn't hold his uh, chivetta when it comes to that. What I just kind of evolved into my niche is it, I, it turns, I never went to school for marketing or anything like that, but it turns out that I had a good idea of how to build product, how to, you know, market product, what people might be interested in. And along the way, I kind of cultivated a decent palate, if nothing else. And I have a working knowledge of tobaccos like this is going to be stronger. This is going to be milder. This is going to be whatever, but I'm not to, to the level of a, of a Nick Melillo. Nick's, and deservedly so. I mean, he spent like 20 years down there, literally, old, you know, going through. The, that's the only you can. That's the only way you can learn tobacco is was hands on. I'm not. Exactly. I'm not like that. I'm just. I have a, a decent palate, and I kind of know what I want, how to build it a little bit. You know, I'm, I know my way around it. But he's look at that, Greg. He's humble as well. The, <laughs> I'm not being humble. It's being truthful. <laughs> I mean, it's like. You know, I, I could put the Legos together, but Melillo knows how to make the Legos. <laughs> Does that make any sense? You know what I mean? He's running the Lego factory. He's running the Lego factory. I, I can put them together and make something out of them. So so we're, we're going to continue this journey here. Uh, so now you've came out with four kicks. That was followed by, what was, what was number two? Was it Jericho? Not Jericho Hill. Headley Grange. Headley Grange, named after, of course, the famous Led Zeppelin recording studio. Uh, then Jericho Hill. So you did about three big releases. Oh, not Jericho Hill. J.D. Howard Reserve. People forget about Howard. Ah, I know, J.D. I know Howard came out the third one. Fourth was Jericho Hill. Yeah. So now you have four releases under your belt, popular releases. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I remember getting really excited when you created the uh, what was it, the the action revolver, the something, the the Jesse James J.D. Oh, Howard. J.D. Howard single action. That was the last single the action. Lancero. It was a petite Lancero. Yeah. Yeah, that was great. Um, and then cigar appears in, in the store that I'm working in and it's in a white box. So you're pretty sure if I remember correctly, it was a white box mm. with a skull on it. And I asked people, I'm like, Hey, what's going on over here? And like, Oh, it's some new cigar from, I think my father makes it. <laughs> I look at the box and I'm like, Oh, this is from crown heads. They got some pretty good stuff. I thought they were only, you know, they're working with Ernesto. I lit it up and my life was changed forever. Wow. So what was the, what was the process going into that? You know, starting to team up with somebody new, really yeah. unique kind of theme behind it, like the day of the dead. Um, and it's become, I, I want to say one of the top five, probably most talked about every year releases from any company. Um, I appreciate that. I appreciate well, you have your, you have your monsters, uh, you have, uh, what else is a, is a year release? Some, you saw some, some of the TAAs, but like everyone looks forward to the new Lost Oliveris every year. Hopefully that doesn't so. change this, this coming year. But um, So what led to that? That was, uh, was um, we began working on that in January of 14. And initially going back to the, what I told you guys, we hit the road in like, you know, March, April in 2011. Mm -hmm. One of the first meetings we had in Nicaragua, 
was with the Garcia family at my father's cigars. And my entree into that meeting was a good friend of mine, Pete Johnson. So Pete and I have known each other since 96 and became fast friends. And, and back in 11, I was like, hey, do you think you can set up a little meeting with them? And so we did. We met. We gave us samples and all that. But ultimately, at that time, we decided to go in a different direction with Ernie. Fast forward to 2000, late 2013, Ernie is starting to get, I don't want to say maxed out, but he start, his production is starting to get a lot. And then I find out that he's doing some stuff with General Cigar. And I'm like, oh, shit. You know, I'm like, we better hedge our bets here. And, you know, we're not, we might get pushed to the, to the curb. You never know. Right. Right. So that's, I go back to Pete. And I'm like, hey, man, you think we could go back in time and revisit? And um, he was so gracious. He was like, you know, Yanni and I are going to be there in January. Why don't you come down? We'll go together and I'll, I'll talk to Jaime. I'm like, okay, great. And that's what happened early, right, right after the new year in January of 14. Went down there. Pete was there. And Jaime was so, you know, so nice. He's like, hey, this to me is just an extension of our first meeting. You know, how can we help you? What can we do together? And, you know, that was, that was what I was working on was Las Calaveras. And um, that with Pete there and everything it was funny, man. Real funny. And um, while I was down there, I said, Hey, Jaime, do you have access to San Andreas wrapper? And he said, Yeah, of course. What do you want to do? I said, I want to make the <clears throat> I said, I want to make the poor man's padrone. <laughs> it's a true story. And that's that's why Jericho Hill is pressed. It was like I wanted to make the poor man's padrone. I wanted to evoke that kind of flavor profile. So those are the two projects we kicked off right away was was um, Las Calaveras and Jericho. And then, so now you had a few releases with them under the Las Calaveras uh, banner. And then the past couple years, I mean, I can't remember when the first one started. I want to say it was 15 <clears throat> or 16. You started doing these state-only releases, mm -hmm. which are among my favorite releases from you guys. The Tennessee Waltz. Right. The um, uh, Rose. Yellow Rose of Texas and, and uh, the Paniola, which is very, very limited. Hawaii. And the, yeah, from Hawaii. And then uh, just the past year or two, the Buckeye Land out of Ohio. Correct. Correct. So, I mean, I kind of get it. Like, I, I, I get it in my mind, but I want to hear your version of like, I obviously get Tennessee Waltz. You know, you're a Nashville based company, you, you love home. But what made you start? doing these kind of state-only releases? So, and kind of why did you choose some of the other ones after, obviously, Tennessee? And can we do a New Jersey waltz at some point? Same cigar, just, just, put the, just put the... Just put the... Just put... The New Jersey Devil. The New Jersey Devil. Wow, that's probably already registered. So I guarantee you somebody probably already registered I'll that. T I'll talk to someone over at the Devils. <laughs> I got you. I'm sure some catalog is already producing it for all I know. Um, so here's the, on Waltz that the first one was in 14. Um, um, we, we wanted to do something as corny as it sounds that would kind of give back to the, the, the guys in our backyard that really stood by us from the first day, which is all the Tennessee retailers. And at the time we had like 20 or 25 accounts in Tennessee. So let's do something specifically for them. And um, I named it Tennessee Waltz because it was Tennessee, but also because that was the song that was playing when my maternal grandfather met my grandmother at a USO dance back in, you know, during World War II. 
And he used to always whistle that song around my house. He'd be like, you know, it's a lot of emotional, sentimental memories for Waltz. So we did that and we launched it and everybody was like, wow, you know, that kind of thing. So we caught fire with that. Then in October of 14, we hire a, a sales rep and house guy, Brian McGee, who was a, an old friend from CAO days. And we'd wanted Brian since the get go. And we finally got him. And he said, hey, why don't you do, can we do something for Texas? And I was like, yeah, sure, man. He goes, well, we'll call it the Yellow Rose of Texas. And, you know, I, I, I don't know who came up with the Yellow Rose idea. And um, I, I let Brian pick the size. And I said, what, what size do you want? You know, that kind of thing. We launched that. And that was basically his baby. Past that, um, the Hawaii thing really came about simply because um, I had been asked numerous times by a gentleman named Marvin Chang at Arfield Wine in Hawaii, come out and do an event, come out and do an event. And I'm just like, dude, I don't, I don't travel. I'm just like, so one day he calls me and he's like, why don't you come out in February? We'll do a cigar and, you know, ask your wife if she wants to come out. Uh, okay. <laughs> he, he knew, he knew what button to push. And so I, I came home and I asked my wife, I said, honey, do you, do you have any interest in coming to this event with me? It's in Hawaii. She's like, yeah. <laughs> so we, we decided to do Paniolo. So, and that's, that's how that started. Um, and then Ohio was because Miguel Shodell, our national sales manager, was living in Ohio at the time. He says, we got a really good fan base here. What if you did something for Ohio because your wife was born here? I said, that makes sense. And my wife's maiden name is, her maiden name is Land. So that became Buckeye Land. So oh. even a little fun fact, but on the box, on the lid in Roman numerals is her street address from when she was a kid. Um, so yeah, it was, it was fun. I always like, yeah, everything has to have a little bit of a meaning to me to make sense to exist. I know Skip Martin wouldn't agree with that, but what? <laughs> so. well, I, I mean, I think that's what makes a lot of your brands interesting and, and personal because it has, everything has a little touch of you in it, whether it's your relationships with friends, your yeah. past experiences or your love letter, you know, your, your fans of a certain state or to your home city or to your wife. There's, you know, even, even things like the Jericho Hill, you know, or, you know, in your love of Johnny Cash, the old West with the JD Howe, and everything has a little touch of you. You're not going to go out and do some, Oh, we're going to call this, you know, space shuttle 20, like some random thing. Yeah. And I think I mean, that's I awesome. the way to do it. I mean, it has to make sense to me. So that's the way I know how, that's how I'm wired. So I just, that's, that's how it happens, man. It has to have a reason for existing, in my opinion. But, you know, whatever. So if we were going to do a Jersey one, <laughs> we I'm were thinking gonna, like, I don't, the, no, already know the blend. I already know the blend. I got the blend. It's not saying, no, it's not San Andreas. It's Broadleaf. I got the blend. He's got Broadleaf. I got it. He's got the blend. Got me Broadleaf. The other thing you have to, you <laughs> have to understand is like to do a state exclusive, you have to have enough brick and mortar support within that state. You know, Crown I'll, I'll get them together. Huge everywhere. You know, we have our pockets, but we'll throw a big party. We, we were gonna do I, my my literally. I had planned this out, and we were gonna do the next one was gonna be Arizona, because Arizona is a great smoking state. It's nice year round. You know, we, there's probably 30, 40, 50 shops there, and I had every intention of doing. I had the size picked. I had the name picked, and I sat on it. And I sat on it for probably about a couple of years. And then I just saw, um, what's this gentleman's name? 
Robert Holt, Southern Jaw. Yeah. Releases Desert Rose. I'm like, uh, I took your take name. that off. Yeah. So yeah, right Sucks. after Yellow Rose, I was gonna do the Desert Rose, and it was gonna be a little Corona, but the same blend. But you know, I, I, I you snooze, you lose. So he's got it, and now he. he we did. could be the Garden Rose because it's you know Garden State. We could call it the Taylor Ham. Absolutely not. It's pork roll. I have no idea what that is. First of all, you live in Pennsylvania, so you don't even I don't get a say. I was I born and raised in New Jersey, so I'm allowed. And I actually lived next uh, to Trenton, where Taylor Ham is made. Frank Taylor. Frank Taylor. Lawrence Taylor. Come here, say hello. Hi. Look at this. Look at this beautiful girl who came up here and just brought me a drink. Nice. Coke Zero. Everybody, AJ. Hi. This is Hi. AJ. That's Hi. Mr. Nick. That's Mr. Smoke on the Waters. Say hi. Hi. Thank you, darling. Love you. So is it Barbie time? Is it time to play Barbies? You can play Barbies, sure. Yeah, it actually it is. You came up here to play some Barbies. <laughs> I don't blame her. But I, I can use this. I need a little um, this way. Yeah. Uh, I, I would absolutely love either a, a New Jersey or a North Carolina one that we could do, uh, do through the site. I think that'd be, that'd be something cool. And, and North Carolina, I mean, great smoking state. I agree. I agree. Has to make oh. sense. You know, it has to make sense. Yeah. Yeah. We also did um, the regional thing, the Mason Dixon thing. And I remember that. You know, I, I, I remember being very happy because the Mason Dixon North happened to be my favorite when I tried both of them. And that's the one yeah. I, I also happen to get an abundance of. There's, those cigars smoke so good. And I don't know why the idea never really took off. I mean, the first year we did okay with it. Second year we didn't do as well. And we decided to like squash it. And we did. So I haven't. I, I mean, yet. I don't know, man. People are stupid. <laughs> Not really. I mean, you I, just... I, I, like, I, I can't stand when like good brands and like really cool ideas just people, you know, or they either don't know or some stores don't talk about it enough or, you know, half of doesn't mention it enough. Like, I, I, I can't stand it. There's so many great cigars out there that I just felt like I've gotten just like lost to the annals of history because of whatever reason. Um, and it's a damn shame because people are missing out. Uh, you know, I mean, I know we have an abundance of brands and, and great smokes nowadays, but it was a, there's a lot that I, I mean, I've I mean, done a few top fives with Greg on like, we have one coming out next month. That's like the last of these, I'm not going to say any of the brands, but like the last of these cigars that even exist. And we have them in the warehouse and they were just amazing cigars that just for some reason or another, didn't sell well, not enough notoriety, weren't talked about, and it was just a shame. And I hate when that happens. It pains me. It pains me in my soul. Yeah. And well, the good news is there is a lot of good stuff out there. You know? There is. There is. When I got in, I remember like in ninety six, it was a whole different thing. And it was like, you know, people were just if you could make a cigar in ninety six and get it on the shelf, get it on the shelf, people were doing it, whether it was good or not, whether it was young or it was aged. And there was some really bad stuff like between 96 and 97 especially there was some good stuff some but now completely different thing now you can't even get to first base unless you got something that's actually really good and then you better hope it is different than everybody else is really good you know that kind of thing so it's well, i think cigar smokers are becoming smarter um <clears throat> I, I think we're hitting numbers kind of like the boom but during the boom it was just like uneducated people they just wanted a cigar they wanted to look cool at their party or you know like on wall street or whatever it was like the chic thing to do mm -hmm. so they didn't care about the quality or what it tasted like 
And so you had, you know, you had a lot of guys that, that made their bones in that time that were creating good stuff. Alec Bradley, uh, Rocky Patel, um, you know, you and, and CAO, like these were the upcoming contracts. There's also a lot of nonsense out there and people not aging, to, you know, buying tobacco from wholesalers in bulk, not aging it, putting out garbage product, and then eventually it stopped selling. Mm-hmm. And so then there was, there, was, there was a big bust after that. But now people are really, like, they're making only the amount of cigars they really need. No one's really trying to flood the market with anything. And they're, because of how informed we as smokers are because of the internet and everything, you yeah. have to make something good. Because we, now we know. You can't fool me with this is 12-year-old specialty, whatever. Exactly. I know what's going on. You hit the nail on the head. It's it's the to the consumer's credit, they're the ones that really changed the game, in my opinion. Like because like when I got into this, there was no Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. There was nothing, right? And there wasn't even like blogs or anything. It was like you had Cigar Aficionado magazine. Bet this is taking you back to ninety six, ninety seven. And if you had a new release coming up, you pressed. You know, you hit a typed a press release you send it by fax you hope they picked it up you sent some samples you know that kind of a thing that was your only way to get news out and then you had to wait for a while to see if it actually worked right now you hit a button boom everybody knows about capa especial immediately right it's like that so and the consumer has become much more educated about cigars much more you know informed because of social media because there's so much more information out there so everybody's had to step up their game. It really has changed the way business is done. Oh, to I a think lot. it's changing for the better. Absolutely, I really do. Listen, there was there was good cigars in the you know the, the mid two thousands when I started. Um, you know, I was smoking a lot of like the original Ernesto stuff, the La Glorias, the El Rico Habanos, um, the original like CEO Brasilias, uh, the original Partingus Blacks. Um, <clears throat> A lot of the early Altidus stuff, well, we, had, we had a lot of private labels with them. Um, but it was kind of those brands, Fuente and Padron. Mm-hmm. And like, if you had, and then like, you know, if you had Acid at this point. And if you had those, you could be a successful cigar shop. Yeah. Now, if you don't have, you know, Crown Heads, if you don't have uh, Warped, if you don't have anything from, from Aganorsa, if you don't have these guys, then like, what's the point of your shop? Mm-hmm. There's actually some shops. I know there's one. Um, I can't remember the name of it. It's over in, in uh, I think Fort Lee, in uh, in New Jersey. That they don't carry any big big brands. It's mm-hmm. like Drew Estate is probably the biggest one they carry, and I think they probably only have some assets in like Liga Pravada and like that. Yeah. So this has become much more the focus now. Uh, what's interesting on the other side of that is that a lot of big companies have also been stepping up their game to try to compete with guys like you. Mm-hmm. And you did a cool project with um, with Monte Cristo. Uh, what was it, last year, two years ago? This yeah. Um, you know, they're, they're working with Placencia, they're working with AJ. You know, a lot of these companies are, are starting to see, hey, we can still create what we've been creating for this yeah. kind of demographic, but the future is guys like you. I think it's kind of like the big guy wants to appear smaller a little bit. It's yeah. kind of like... I call it the craft beer kind of thing. The analogy for me is like, you know, you got your Budweiser's, your Miller's and everything, and they want to create stuff or maybe even acquire brands that make them look more craft or more, uh, I can't, I'm not allowed to say craft. Sorry, Skip. Uh, more artisan, more uh, boutique right? So um, I think this is the same thing in our industry. Like, you know, everybody's trying to do that because realistically, like the boutique, quote unquote, brands are taking market share from 
the big guys, you know, so you kind of, I know that they're aware of it. Um, but look, you know, it's like, I think personally, like if I was going to open a cigar store, I, I look at the big, big box brands, the Macanudos, the Partagas, all those kind of guys. <clears throat> they're like, they're necessary. They're like a gateway, right? They're the gateway drug, so to speak, to getting onto the next level. Like, well, if you like that, why don't you try this? Or, you know, and then, you know, a couple of visits into it, the guy's buying Tatuaje and Illusion and, you know, he's in the good stuff, right? So, but I think you, those gateway cigars are necessary because people come in, they're like, I never smoked a cigar, but I heard, uh, I heard Monte Cristo is really good, right? And it, they are, but that opens the door to other stuff to go down the rabbit hole and explore all the other great brands that are in existence. Right. And I also think not even just in terms of age, but I feel like you're hitting two different demographics um, in terms of the guys who buy Monte Cristo and there's, there's plenty of them scattered throughout age. Um, but those are, those are typically like box guys they buy their box of Monte whites or they buy their box of Partagas blacks uh, every two weeks or every month. Old. I feel like guys who buy, Crown Heads, Tatuaje, you know, Foundation. Mm -hmm. they, they like more five packs, ten packs, uh, limited samplers. Yeah. Um, I just always felt like that. I, I felt like the, you know, a guy who's smoking Tatuaje or a guy who's smoking Crown Heads, he's also smoking Tatuaje. He's also smoking this and that because like, he, he kind of likes that, that vibe. So he's buying a couple of a lot of different things. Whereas people buying, like I said, Partagas, they're buying they're they're 10 boxes a year like that's that's all they're they're smoking yeah i mean so, when i got in the business it, that was it like you had box guys that came in for their upmans and this and that and they were very brand loyal yeah, now yeah. you just you're hoping you can get in somebody's rotation because that's the only realistic expectation you're not going to expect it you know that the guys gonna come in every week and get a box crown heads but you'd like to get into that rotation with tatuaje illusion warped 101 ice cream you know, that kind of a thing. I remember I had a, an interesting conversation with um, Saka, right, at one of the trade shows. And Steve was like, you know, we're all just trying to get in. Get You got to get one that sticks. You got to get one that sticks. Like, you know, like Tatuaje is stuck, you know, like uh, like Liga Pravada is stuck, you know. He goes, but think about it. Like, how many other brands did Pete has Pete done besides Tatuaje Brown that didn't stick? You know, Rico Havant, no, no, what was it? Um Kabai One, which I think was a phenomenal cigar, didn't really stick. Um, El Triunfador, I mean, he's got a portfolio, but people know yeah. Pete Tatuaje, right? So that's a good analogy. But my thing is, I don't think we're in that day and age anymore where you can get something to stick. I just don't. I think Tatuaje, ironically, was the last one that did. Name me one brand past that that actually became like a household name that stuck. Crown heads. No, I'm, 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 I'm not. I'm not ruffling your feathers here. No, I, 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 I. Every everybody who I know, who I've met at a hearth or I've met at a lounge, anyone I know, my friends who I recommend cigars to, they all know and smoke crown heads. It's it's part company. of their rotation. My companies, brands like a brand that stuck like like that that became, you know, I just I think those days are over, and I think that now you just got to hope to get into somebody's rotation because nobody is going to be that. You know, unless you come out with something that just is something like nobody's ever had in their life or something, but man. But here's the difference in that, in that those guys who, you know, it was just Pargas, it was just Monte Cristo, uh, it was because at that time, and I'm, you know, I'm talking 
late 90s, early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Look at the Monte Cristos that were available in the U.S. You had the Monte Cristo, the Monte Cristo White, the Monte Cristo Classic. They were all kind of a very similar cigar. Mm-hmm. So you can create bland loyalty because, like, yeah, if he likes this one, they're obviously going to like the other two. The more difficult but I find more interesting thing about guys like you or these other manufacturers we're talking about is you don't make the same cigar twice. There's no point. No, if you, you want wanted it. the dark, rich San Andreas with this filler and this this kind of flavor, you smoke the Jericho Hill. If you right. wanted the one with the broadly that you smoke the Tennessee Waltz, you know, you're not just going to create the same cigar again. That's why going back to the the foundation of it all, it I wanted why I wanted to name name the company Crowned Heads and then have the I didn't want it to be like Crowned Heads Maduro, Crowned Heads Abano, Crowned Heads because I, that kind of pigeonholes you and locks you into that box. And I wanted the creative latitude to create a brand that was different each single time. Whether the blend be different, the name, the the appearance, the packaging. So it was there was always the concept was always Crown Heads is the band, and then this album will sound like this. This right, next right. album will sound like that. This one will, and they will all be part of the band's you know collective work, but they will all be different. And if you put Crown Heads on every single thing, then it's really tough. You get pigeonholed, and you you can't have that creative. Let's just all have them look and buy. Ironically, nine years later, now we're trying to figure out a way to tell people we, we we're the ones that do heather grange oh we do las calaveras so how do you bring it all back in and like you know together so that's why you're starting to see the foot bands on a lot of stuff i'm just gonna ask that because i've noticed that on a lot of your uh, your releases the past year or so you've had the uh you've had the foot bands on them mm-hmm. but yeah i mean it's a difficult waters to navigate of creating these cool individualistic brands that each tell their own story each have their own kind of flavor to them but how do we make sure everyone know? Because you got to think about it for any of these guys. I mean, we always use Steve as an example. I mean, if you, if you took an unknown guy and you put a Sin Compromiso, a uh, Mikarita, and a Silver Mesa together to, to, and say, hey, did these come from the same company? You know? Yeah. They're probably like, oh, I have no idea. But I think there's definitely a way to do it. I mean, I, I like the foot band. And, you know, when you look at, you know, we use the craft beer industry as an example. So one of my favorite... Uh, Breweries is a company called um, Carton Brewing. They're based uh, out of New Jersey here. Mm-hmm. And like the cans are all like these, they're the bigger cans and it's all orange and white. But then every different beer they have, like the lettering is different and the, you know, the name is crazy and different kind of stuff. But it's always a big white and orange can. So mm. you know, this is Carton Brewing. <clears throat> it's like their official team colors. Basically, yeah. 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 But uh, John, I think we got some questions coming in for you. Greg, you want to you want to ask him some questions from uh, I'm, our? I'm just audience? trying to keep warm over here. Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, so um, Chris had an interesting uh, comment. He's saying, "Stay on top of boxes." Uh, John, do you see going to a box of ten versus buying twenty? Uh, sometimes he wants more than five sticks, but a box is a commitment. What, what's your thoughts on that? Would I do like is, is the question when I do a regular production line all ten counts? Yeah, no. Okay. And the reason it's just an economic uh, reason because when you have the cost of the box as a as a brand, and then you're able to amortize that box cost over twenty cigars, twenty four cigars, it adds less. You don't have to mark up the price of the cigar that much to pay for the packaging. When you have a ten count, let's say the box is ten dollars. I'm just going to throw a number out. 
if you amortize that over 20 cigars, it, it's what, 50 cents or whatever, right? When you mm -hmm. do it by 10, it's twice as much. So now you're, you're putting twice as much on each cigar to make up for that box. Yeah. Number one. Number two, if somebody really wants like, you know, five cigars, won't they just go into a cabinet and pick five cigars, put them in a slider and, and go? I just don't see that the, 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 that it makes a lot of sense economically to do 10 counts. Now, a lot of our LEs, yeah, we'll do 10s and 12s because I think when it's a one and done, it makes sense because, oh, you've got this commemorative package. A lot of guys just want to stick that away somewhere and it's kind of cool to have. That makes sense. But as a regular production, everyday kind of a core line thing, I just don't see the, the sense in the, the 10 count exclusively. Now, is, so it more, is, it, is it more because of the of the box, or would you like do something more of a not as complex wrapping? Is, is it just because of the box price, or is it still packaging and distribution of it all still? On well, top of that? Whether you do a ten count box or a twenty count box, the cost of the box no. is pretty much the same, right? Is right. that you, no? No, I, I'm with you with that. No, my question is more like okay. not doing a box. What if you did more of like a different type of packaging instead of a box? That's more economical, I guess. Well, a good example is Paniolo. Uh, the last two years for Paniolo, we've done 12 and then 10 count bundles that were wrapped in craft paper. Right. And we did that specifically because the tobaccos we were using were getting up there in price. And if I was going to put them in a box, it would have probably priced that cigar significantly higher. And Hawaii has an egregious tobacco tax. And so that, that I would have priced that cigar out of the comfort zone of most of our fans over there. That, so we went to, again, the bundle with the craft paper. So we were open to that. But again, that's another one and done. That's only 4,000 cigars this year. Right. Um, I don't, I just can't see doing a, you know, 100, 150,000 cigars every year with bundles, or, unless it was a bundled cigar. See my my thing, like I, I completely get what you're saying, but it's almost like I'd rather the everyday, you know, like oh, this is our big general release one. I'd rather that one be in a bundle or something. Because, you know, I want to go in, I want to buy my my five singles or whatever, and then have like you said that the special editions get that box because also people will pay a little more for a special edition right. or, or a limited release, and then you know, like like the um. Uh, like the the single action mm -hmm. we did the, yeah. for JD House. It was a cool 10-count box, a full-court reserve. I have pressing on my wall downstairs, actually. I thought that was a pretty cool box. So, yeah, yeah, people are willing to make, pay more for that. Um, <clears throat> I, I just was just always of the notion that companies should start switching to, to five or 10-count boxes or, or a patch or something just because, like I said, the modern smoker would be, you know, like you can't control – how a store lays out your product. You can just sell them your product. So if a guy's like, oh, we have all these crown heads only available in boxes, and the guy's like, oh, I want to try something. I'm like, oh, you know, we're not, we're not opening them. Or we only have one size open and there's five different sizes. Then then it, it, it's it's almost, oh man, I would have bought a couple of these, but they didn't have, you know, they only had this 60 ring size open. I don't want that. So I'm going to just try something else. Right. Um, so it's just a kind of a way I would feel to give it more in control of the manufacturer. Like, hey, even if you don't want to open this for single, like it's only a five or 10 box. So people are more willing to try that. But I also get what you're saying about the economics of it. I totally yeah. understand. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's also another thing too, like trying to, like you said, get into that rotation too, you know, how, you know, without, you know, I'm with you, like putting, like you said about putting a commitment of 20, 20 cigars. Cause 
I mean, if I wasn't so gracious from you with everything that I got, I mean, I don't, I wouldn't know where to start. I wouldn't know where to go. You know what I mean? So it's like one of those things where, you know, to kind of get yourself into the rotation, is it smarter to do the five count? I don't, I don't know. Right. I, it's one of those. Or a sampler, like a sampler. Right. We've done samplers a lot, you know, in terms of like, here's a little potpourri of what we're doing here, but that becomes difficult. I mean, I had this idea for a sampler that we were going to bring out this year. Um, it was pretty cool actually. And even came with a lighter and this and that. And, and we had to shelve it because we were on back order for two of the six brands that we were gonna put in the in the sampler. So, you know. I think I know exactly what kind of sampler you should do, and I think you know what I'm gonna say. San Andreas sampler. <laughs> I'm guessing state, that's mine. State state sampler. State sampler. Well, we do do Lawless Day. You know, we we open the doors to everybody across the country to stock up one day a year. To except uh, for Paniolo, which is the perfect uh, combination. Here's the here. I'm going to really confuse everybody watching this because of all this. There's four state exclusives. You know, uh, Tennessee, Texas, Ohio, and Hawaii. Hawaii is the only one that is a one-and-done limited production every year. We change the size. We change the blend every year since 2015. The other ones, the size remains consistent. The blend remains consistent. So Hawaii is kind of an oddity. We we need a good reason to fly over there every February and, and hang out. <laughs> is it? <laughs> it's, it's great. It's great. It's exclusive for the whole island or just for that store? Um, it's for the whole our field and wine. I don't know how many locations they have. It's it's pretty extensive. But Marvin ends up shipping a lot of it back to the states too. Yeah, those okay. those are going to go very fast. I mean, we we do you know we do this dinner and then the the sales event. It's it's literally the whole thing happens in three hours. And if I told you what we sold in three hours, you you wouldn't believe me. In terms of they're a big deal because I see, every time I see on Half Wheel where some new it's like. Somebody's doing a, a, a store-only exclusive for Hawaii. It's always those guys. Yeah, they must have a pretty big grasp upon uh, you know over the area. They they have a good good following, um, and we've you know Marvin always told me from the start like, hey, if you come here, people will come out and support you because they they know how hard it is for you to get out here. They will appreciate that, and he was so so right. I mean, people there are so gracious, so nice. I mean, every year I go back there, it's like people show up with stuff for me. You know, it's like, though, and this is for your wife, and this is for your daughter, and my wife made this for you, and here, this, you know, it's just amazing. Like, I've never seen anything like that before. I, I love Hawaii. I love the people. I love the culture. It's great. Oh, that's awesome. Nick, I know what we need to do then. <clears throat> we gotta go to Hawaii. Well, that too. Just me and you? Uh, top, top five crown head cigars. We'll make our own. We'll just do a couple parts. There you go. We'll do it for them. But, but we can't do it. We can't, Greg. Yeah, we can. Because then we're, it's going to be a it's going to be a ten cigar sampler. Well, that's fine. <laughs> that just it's not just point. five. That just proved the point that we can do it. I don't think I can do that. Oh, we can do it. We'll do it. We for got you. you. We got you. Yeah, we'll do it for you. We'll do it for you. We got you. Hundred percent. Right. I'm sure. All right. We can have if we do it now. I get. I mean, it depends on how long everything lasts. We could do the video with him. Right, that's it. There you go. <laughs> just have him on here. You take the pictures of everything. There you we go. Got we'll, use, it. we'll use his hands. There you go. Yeah. The twirl the cigar. Oh no, I think that's my that's my job. Oh, that's true. You need something. I'm so good at it. You're so good at it. <laughs> so um, listen, any more questions? Let's talk about yeah. new stuff. Oh, you got another question? I was going to talk about some new shit. 
Close uh, well, one more question, so, and then and then tell us about the new stuff. So we'll Go. actually uh, one of the questions goes into the new stuff. So I'll start with the one that's not about the new stuff. We'll just get this one out. So it's the question goes, John, will pr premium cigar brands have the same problem ditching boxes altogether as wine producers have had using screw caps over corks? I didn't know that we were trying to ditch boxes altogether. Well, I, I'm just wondering if they would. Would they? Be, like how wine producers are getting rid of corks. And well, doing like I think wine producers got your apples to oranges. Wine producers got rid of corks because of, you know, the amount of, of product that was getting spoiled because of the cork, right? Get going back corks, right? So you, there was more to, you know, get more of a, what's the word I'm looking for? Anyway, it was done so because the corks were ruining a percentage of the wine. Boxes aren't ruining anything with the, the cigars that I know of. Okay. Uh, I don't see any reason to get rid of it. It's it's such an such a part of the presentation. It would be like, do you want to go to a restaurant and have somebody just throw a steak on your lap, or do you want to put them on a plate and have a little garnish on it? Right? It's like I wouldn't uh, mind a steak on my lap, to be honest. You probably would. Um, most of us would. Um, <laughs> I just think that's part of it. It's, it's part of the presentation. It's part. Imagine a world without cigar boxes, without the art, without the vista, without the cliche, without the. I mean, to me, that's that was part of the thing that drew me to the to the artistry right. of the of the of the business. It was, I mean, cigar boxes, man. They're just iconic. It's like album covers. Never. Yeah. I wouldn't get rid of What's another question? Uh, when are you going to release the new uh, 2020 Las Calaveras? That is, um, that actually we've, we've selected the blend. We've started the, um, we selected the sizes. We started the artwork. We're pretty much, I'd say 95% done on the artwork. And we're hoping to get that out in the usual, May hey, June. Yeah. And in fact, I was going to put something on social media while we're at this home hiatus showing what the new uh, Las Calaveras is going to look like nice. in, in, in context to the 17, 18, 19, and here will be the 20th. So do we know? I can't believe this has been out for a year already. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Like this, this still is like a brand new cigar. I, mean, I can't believe it's been out for a year. Yeah. The 19. Yeah. I know. I know. So it's the best rated 80 cigar you'll ever smoke. I always say. I think, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure me and Greg had a whole podcast about that. I, you know, I I was. If it was, if they, if that particular, um, you won't call it a publication. I guess forum, whatever. If they had rated it like 86, 87, I would have been mad, right? But at eighty, I was almost laughing. Like you're so far off. You're you're a moron. You're, there's no way, no way. It would. I, was, I laughed it off. And so, for the longest time, when everybody would post on social media, I would always tag it rated eighty by, blah, you know, just like. And people were like, "What?" I was it's drawing so weird. to it. I was like, I wanted to make T-shirts out of it. You know, I was just like. And then, like, literally the next week, that same guy rates carlito's um opus x purple rain limited edition like a 79 or something like that and i'm like carlito in his sleep blind half drunk with one arm time behind his back could not make a cigar that bad to be a 79. there's no way so well, I was, I maybe he was sick that way maybe he had the corona they always say they're not <laughs> i said maybe he had the corona that week 
You know, he couldn't smell. He couldn't smell. He had a stuffy nose. Yeah, couldn't yeah, taste anything. Just like literally, <laughs> this same person, and then this again, same person, going back to like when Suida the Musica launched, didn't rate it, butchered it, assassinated it, gave it like a seventy, low seventies or something. I'm like, and I didn't think anything of it. I'm like, this, you know, whatever. It is what it is. But like Ernie was texting me at night saying, what is wrong with these people? Like, this hurts me. You know, he was literally like offended. Like he put his heart and soul into this cigar. There's no, I said, Ernie, you couldn't, even if you tried to make a cigar that bad, you couldn't. Right. But it's just, that's why I, I don't know. Sometimes if it's like they do it to sensationalize and say, look, see, we're really honest. We, we hated this one and they made that one. But when they, when they're so far off, I'm just like, Dude, you, this person should not be reviewing cigars. Shouldn't. It's weird because the ones that they, there's never been a cigar that they've ranked high that I've tried to be like, no, this doesn't deserve a 90 or 92. This is garbage. Yeah. But there are some that I'm like, oh, this is really good. I can't wait to see what, what they rate it. And I go and I'm like, what are they doing? I thought it was fun because like when they did their consensus thing, I just gave it away, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> It was like every other publication and person on Planet Cigar rated the Las Calaveras 19 so high and so well that it ended up being in their consensus. Even though they dogged it and they shit on it, they had to put it in their consensus. And it was like when they announced it, I was watching it, and they just like were like, and Ed number, da, 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 Las Calaveras CL19 by Contest. And moving on, you know, it was just kind of <laughs> like, I was like, yeah, what about it? Did you did you make any comments during that live feed like you do for us? I don't. It doesn't. <laughs> it really doesn't matter, you know. It's I'm, so weird, man. The way I, what, I, what other new products can you can you tell us about? Uh, so yeah, Calaveras is, is on on point on track. Um, I was also going to do the same thing with Mule Kick Twenty Twenty. I was going to put a little picture on on social media, and I will. Um, that blend was finalized. That's in production until. You know, COVID's shut the factories down. That cigar is, oh man, it, it's fucking beautiful, beautiful. So we're what the wrap. So we're taking the, the mule kick blend, like you know we normally do, and we we change a little bit of a little bit, tweak the blend slightly, different wrapper. The wrapper we're using this year is um, a jalapa, a jalapa wrapper from Nicaragua. It's the same wrapper that Ernie's been using on his majestic which the Encore Majestic got the Cigar of the Year from CA. Interesting, fun story about that wrapper. So back in 2016, I'm sitting at, a, at the um, IPCPR, now PCA, um, show with Ernie in, in a, like one of those seminar things like for retailers and stuff. And we're sitting down and we're yeah. hanging out. And I'm like, hey, Pajuno, so what do you got for me to smoke? Let me, let me smoke something new. And he says, here, try this. Tell me what you think of it. And I lit this unbanded cigar up and I smoked it. I was like, God, this is really good. It's unique. It's rich. It just, it's, I can't put my finger on it, but this is really good. This is really good. So you really think so? I said, yeah, no, it's fucking, this is great. Yeah. So that, that cigar he gave me was the Encore Majestic, right? But he decides it's not good enough. I'm going to sit on it and release it. And whenever he did, like a year or two later, in betwixt and between all this, 2017 rolls around and I need something for a Paniolo. So it was actually late 16. Um, and I told Ernie, I said, can we do anything with that wrapper that you've been messing around with for, you know, that sample I smoked? Yeah, yeah, we could use it. So the 2017 Paniolo was the same wrapper that would eventually become Ernie's Encore line, the, 
So oh, wow. that's, that's a fun fact. So now this year, 2020, we're using that wrapper on Mule Kick, which it's phenomenal. It just smokes so well. I'm re- really super excited about that. Really didn't think there was anything that was going to get me excited during these trying times, John. But as always, you've come through. Here it is. Can you guys see it? Let me see. That's that's going to be up on social media. So is your is your warehouse like shut down for this? Yeah. Like you're off. Um, yeah. So what they they've done in Nashville is um. Make, they, make, make his trying to get cigars as soon as possible right now. It's like, my address <laughs> is, and he's going to tell every, everybody on YouTube what his address is right now. <laughs> I'll do it. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're closed. Um, well, Nashville's closed all non-essential business for two weeks. So the earliest we could go back would be April the 6th, that Monday. So we'll see. I think, I think certain states are going to start opening up within two weeks i mean places where it's like super crazy like new york probably not but like places like tennessee parts of texas you know try to make sure no one new comes in but at least well, like people don't want to you gotta make i sure don't know it's, you know nashville our numbers like the city of nashville like i think i told you guys off camera we got like a million people we've got a hundred and let's say 79 confirmed cases 27 of which made a full recovery and two are in the hospital. The rest are at home, self-quarantine, mild to moderate symptoms is what they're announcing to the public. So you do that number and you realize that 0.00018 have been infected and that 0.00000 whatever are in the hospital. And we have completely shut down our economy, completely. Like a lot of people have lost their jobs, restaurant workers, what have you. Is it worth it? I mean, is it really, does that then justify the means? I, I don't know. I'm still kind of like, I've got my, my issues with the whole thing. But I, I get it. I understand we should stay home and take it seriously, all that. I'm 100% behind that. But at what cost, man? You know, it's it's going to be a long time before we get back on our feet as a it country. Is, man. And that's why we got to make sure we're supporting these people. We're supporting, you know, when, when these cigar stores, you know, open back up, when these restaurants open when, when they were saying about, oh, we're each going to get, you know, $1,000 from the government, I'm like, I'm just using that for takeout. Like, that's, I'm going to spend $1,000 at restaurants and bars. You try to throw a little money. I looked it up and, and I get, I don't qualify or whatever, something. My wife told I me. I don't qualify either because I think I'm, I'm still it. getting paid. We get nothing. I'm like, why is, why do we get nothing? It's like, that's kind of discriminatory. But yeah, I mean, at least give me something because, you know, it just sucks being home. Give me a turkey or something. <laughs> Butterball yeah. turkey. Right? I just want some chicken. I, don't, I have no chicken. Yeah, just, I just give me a thousand dollars because like I'm, I'm, it sucks. I'm here. Shit, man. I'm just telling you, it's it's and, and like you know, our guys are working from home trying to sell stuff, and what they're finding out is like they're calling people and the retailers saying, you know what, I actually do want to order that, and I actually do need more of your cigars, but I, you know, I I can't do anything. I I might not have the money to pay the rent next week, right? So it's like I can't order it. So retail brick and mortar like shut down. Like they're completely, which now the manufacturers, we're going to have a hard time as well. It's just, it's a trickle down effect. Absolutely. Everything's trickling down. People don't get that. And it's just, you know, and then they're saying, oh yeah, don't worry. You know, we're, we're going to close you down, but we're going to help you out with these SBA loans and everything. Who wants to take out an SBA loan? Right. You want to help out? No, no, like have your business like no taxes this year. You don't got to pay any taxes on your business. They delayed it until July. So, you know, Still got to pay it though. So, like the, the money you lost this month, like, it's still lost. Yep. 
course you have to pay it. What are you supposed to do? Like use all the money we're going to pay for taxes and then July rolls around like, oh, I ain't got it. Right. Sorry, pay me. What's it just delaying the inevitable? It doesn't do anything. Right. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough time. Hopefully things will turn around, man. But that was part of the, again, going back to the rationale of, of announcing Kappa Special, I wanted to give people something to look forward to, a little light at the end of the tunnel. I mean, I'm not saying we're the end-all, be-all of the cigar world, but it's exciting when you see different companies are still moving forward and, and, and planning ahead. And I saw just now that, uh, like, Timeless just shipped their, their TAA edition. I'm like, good, man. Let's keep going. Let's just keep doing it. You know, we... Whatever you can, exactly. Right? This is going to end. Right? It will. One way or another, it's going to end, whether it be next week, two weeks, two months. When it does, let's let's hit the ground running as opposed to sitting there and going, now what? You know, that kind of a thing. So, yeah. So, we're, we're going full, full speed ahead with Capa Special, uh, Mule Kick 2020, Las Calaveras. There are, there are two other things that I think are very exciting that are coming out really in, in your neck of the woods, the, the Casa de Monte Cristo stuff that I can't talk about, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, I can't say anything about that, but they're both quality projects. Really excited about doing that. And what else? I think that's, that's about all I got for you guys. At this, Oh, I am working on a PCA thing, um, of which, uh, fuck, man. I can't, you know... At this point, it's it's almost premature, and I've already like kind of pulled the curtain way back. But yeah, PCA is gonna be fun. I, I hopefully will be able to do it in July, right? Right. Yeah, you hope so. So yeah, I I gotta ask you one question for one yeah. very loyal YouTube follower. Sure. Big Big Yon wants to know when Crownheads is gonna go to Scotland. <sighs> when are we gonna go to Scotland? Yeah, you gotta start selling some Crownheads in Scotland for Big Yon. Is there a distributor in Scotland or close thereby? Hit me up. Cuba. Yeah, it's got a Braveheart Inc. <laughs> Braveheart Inc. Braveheart B&M. Yeah. Why not, man? I mean, we, we get some, some crazy uh, distributor requests. I think we just opened Malaysia or something like before all this stuff went down. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it, if we're not somewhere, it's not because we're not interested. It's just because we're focused primarily on the United States market. But, you know, like... Three years ago, we were approached by a guy in Germany and said, hey, do you, you want a German distributor? We're like, yeah, sure. Like, we thought nothing would come of it. And, you know, to this day, Dalai Zagarin has become our distributor, and then they've become, like, one of our top, I would say, they're always 10 top at the end of the year in terms of, of volume. And um, we've gotten this amazing fan base in Germany, which I love those guys in Germany. They're radical. Like, you know, they got one guy... Uh, has CYOP tattooed on his knuckles and nice. lost color. You know, it's just that kind of rabid fan base, which has been wonderful. Um, and then we, we, we opened Canada like a year and a half ago. And now, Oh really? Yeah. And then Canada was just huge. I was just like, I, we're not, nothing's going to happen here. I and mean, it blew up, you know, it's just like when I, I realized the taxation and everything. And then I said, okay, do the math. And Jericho Hill is going to cost $25 a stick in Canada. They're like, yeah. I'm like, good luck. You're never going to sell it. And they were like in our top 15. They sold through that. Crazy. But, you know, now with the plain packaging thing going in, that may be a difficult situation. I don't know. Yeah, because you have such great packaging, too. Yeah. Well, hopefully it's going to be delayed because I think everyone's got enough stuff to worry about right now. So, see how that, that goes. Hey, we're going to no sooner get through this and the FDA is going to hit us. You yeah. Know. yeah. 
So well, I John, got, I really well, appreciate I two, you. Oh, two you two got another question? question? I got two more que- two part questions. Yeah, yeah. Sure. And then we'll uh, and then I, I need to get it. I need to get some heat. So, <laughs> um, the first question is: How hard is it to ask someone to collaborate for a cigar? And also to piggyback on that, have you ever thought of collaborating with Pete Johnson? <laughs> How hard is it to ask somebody? Well, yeah, how's I guess. I think the collaboration and contract are two different things in, in my book. And I'll use the Drew Estate situation with La Coalition as an example. Like, Willie and I had wanted to do a cigar together for forever, like literally the last three years. John was trying to get us to get together for the last three years. What we, the initial discussions with Drew was, you know, hey, how is this not going to be a contract brand and how is it going to be truly? A collaboration because people that say oh this is a collaboration between xyz and xyz no xyz, XYZ. is making the cigar and this guy came in with the, the band design and that's not a collaboration that's this guy contracting this guy to make this cigar with the drew estate collaboration it was different because you know like for instance you know like we would we they started the artwork right i came up with the name they started the artwork we massaged it. We threw it back, back and forth, back and forth. Willie started with the blend, gave it to me. We, you know, validate that, go back and forth, back and forth. They wanted to change the band after the trade show. We, so it was all this whole, it's truly a collaboration when you see like all this young. Most everything else is like a contract. I'm contracting Ernie to make Four Kicks Capa Special. I'm contracting, you know, Tobacco Lara Picharlo to make Juarez, what have you. So, the, 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 a true collaboration is far and few in between in this industry, in my opinion. I've seen both sides of the fence. Now, to answer the, the Pete Johnson question, um, it's very funny because I, I used to get that question a lot. And, in fact, when I was leaving CAO, most people had, like, they're hedging their bets that I was going to go work with Pete. Pete and I are good friends. And I just got a text message from him while we were on right now. And um, here's my take. I can never, I said this then and I'll say it now, I can never come to Pete's table and do any, help him do anything better than what he's doing already. Why would you do it? You know what I mean? It's like, if you can make something better or help make something better or create something together, that's one thing, but it just, he's, he's too good at what he's doing, man. It's like, I don't, you know what I mean? You don't, you don't go to LeBron and, te- and work on his, his jump shot. <laughs> you know, it's like, hey, you're going to bring it in a uh, a coach to help you with your free throw. No. Now, Pete, I have a ton of respect for that dude. I mean, he is the reason why, like, companies like Crown Heads, Warped, Luzion, Room 101, he is the reason why we all exist. I said that before. I'll say it again. Because he was, he changed the game when he came out with Tatuai in 03. Prior to that, there was no boutique cigar. There was, it was like, you had to be a big brand. You had to be a big guy. You had to do volume. There was no little craft. He created that sector. He created that market space. And as a result, you know, opened the door for all of us, really. So now I would never do a collaboration with Pete because, I, you know, like I said, you can, I can't do anything that he can't do better. So how difficult would it be to do an unusual suspects collaboration cigar? All what was it? Six, seven of you? Dude, that would, it, it would be extremely difficult. Just um, take that picture and put it on the box. So damn <laughs> So damn fun. If you, you, it wouldn't be difficult. It would be difficult because you couldn't get all those characters together in one space. I know. You realize when you shot that, 
like we'd been trying to shoot that that redux cover for the better part of like three years i kid you not i mean nobody can get the schedules together like we could not make it happen like nobody can make it happen i don't even know how the first one actually happened to be honest with you but we could it was like you know like herding cats and um (laughs) <laughs> and when we found out we were going to do, and Matt kind of spearheaded that, it was so fun to, to like kind of have like the class reunion with those guys, you know. Well, if you do, and, if uh, you do that, I want to be part of the whole entire filming process. I will. I will go to wherever you guys be, are. I wish. I think I, you guys should do a, an unusual suspect series. I wish we had had a camera crew with us that day that we shot that in Miami because it would have been so. I mean, at least six of us would have gotten a kick out of it, but it was just. Oh my God! You talk about like mayhem and frivolity and and whatnot. I, I I literally flew in and out the same day to Miami to do this with with Thor, and we got in there in the morning and we were all like kind of hanging out, smoking cigars, and then this car pulls up and Pete comes out with like, these big shopping bags, right? Just lazy shopping bags down. They're like it's like eight, ten bottles of like, these rare French wines, you know. And then Thor comes out and he's got like all these like craft beers and like this the so, you know, long story short, by the end of the day, nobody got fed, nobody ate, nobody broke for lunch. All we did from 10 in the morning to 4 in the afternoon was drink and smoke. So I was just like, oh, God. I was like, in the dream. <laughs> oh, ridiculous. It was ridiculous. And then, then I remember I couldn't get a cab to go back to the airport. So of all people, John, Jonathan Drew, says, you're never gonna get a cab, Miami kid. You could let me let me take you back. You know what time's your flight? So he drives me and drops me off there. And um, I re- it's funny, man. I remember that he was driving this Range Rover, and it was. Do you guys remember Ricky Williams, football player? He played from Miami back in the day. Yeah. He goes, this is Ricky Williams, old Rover. I took over the the, the lease, or I bought it from somebody, or whatever. He goes, does this smell like weed in here to you? <laughs> <laughs> Like, no, I, don't, I can't get the smell of cigar off of my clothes and everything. <laughs> That's like, a John thing to say. <laughs> can't smell anything. He's like, yeah, he goes, this, this thing's reeked like weed so bad when I first got it. They had to, like, you know, defumigate it for, like, two weeks. And just little memories like that I have. Of, of, That's awesome. It was just good. Those dudes. I, I don't think a usual suspect series where you guys kind of maybe collaborate on artwork, but then you got, you know, you and Dion and Pete and, and everyone, like, release your own one. I think that'd be awesome. That would be kind of fun, man. I think it. We would all be trying to, to even be on the same level as as Pete and Dion, though. I think. I mean, those two guys for me, for my money, I think those those are the forerunners, you know, to, especially. Um, yeah, it was, th- those are some some good dudes right there. The good people, you know. And that's the thing. We're all still good friends, you know. None of us are like talking shit about the other one and this and that. It's like it's changed a little bit nowadays, you know. I mean, some of the the guys that have come out in the last few years, it's just like, I don't know. It just, it just doesn't feel the same camaraderie as, like, those guys on that magazine cover did. I don't know. Now I'm starting to age myself a little bit. but uh, Well, I think it's because you – it wasn't easy for you guys coming up, you know? So, you so you know, J.D. would see what Pete was trying to do and you know, help, help him out a little bit. And then Pete saw you, what you were trying to do and help you – because like, they knew how tough it was, you know, companies, your, your guys size at that time and trying to compete with the bit. Then you create this path and then other new people come in and start their stuff. And, but it's like easy for them. They have Instagram and Facebook now to get their word out. So it's easy for them to kind of set up a pillar, you know, and so they feel like, oh, I'm going to use it. I'm going to go talk shit about this guy or do this yeah. because they didn't they didn't they weren't 
baptized in that fire that you guys were. You know? that's, that's a good point. I think there is a, there, there's an ounce of truth to that for sure. It just, we came up in a different time in a different space and, yeah. you know, um, yeah, I love those guys. Those guys are all, every once in a while, you, you'll get like the, the drunk text that somebody starts to that, that little group, the text, you know, and it's like, yeah. and then I, I remember one night I went to bed and I saw it started and it's like, I turned my phone off. Next morning I woke up, it was like 28 text messages from this group text back and forth. Da, 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 da. And it was actually about um, where would, where would we shoot the usual suspects to cover, right? Right. And some of the ideas that were thrown around there was like, you know, let's all fly to Cuba. Let's go. <laughs> what? Why not? That was a JD. That was a JD idea or Matt Booth. I can't even remember at this point. Uh, my contribution was Paris and I said, Paris, Tennessee. It'd be easy for me to get to. I could, you know, but Matt Booth wants to do it in some like haunted Soviet like factory. Who knows? <laughs> I, I'm still waiting for the, the issue to come out that, that Greg shot. Yeah. I was sworn to secrecy, and I couldn't... Wasn't it like a... Didn't they say it was like a year or something, Greg, that we had to wait? Yeah, it was something that was, in, it was nine years ago, and then they're going to do it to 10-year, and then all of a sudden, Matt Booth posted it on his Instagram, not giving, <laughs> I, and just didn't... Because it was one of those things, when I gave him the pictures, I was like, look, Matt, just don't, don't post this, because we're not allowed, but I wanted you to have it. And then all of a sudden, I see it on his Instagram, like, what, five months later it was? Something like that. And I'm like, uh, I guess this is okay now. I haven't heard anything about it I since either, then. So oh. I have pictures on my phone, but I, I I never I was sworn to secrecy, so I'm I'm keeping my promise. I'm not gonna do it. Yeah. But well, it was that was, that was a really cool experience. Yeah. It was fun. It was so quick. I mean we showed up like at eight thirty, by eight thirty five, we're gone. I'm like, Yep. Well, yeah. Okay, I'll see you guys later. Bye. <laughs> you know, that kind of a thing. But it was kinda nice. It was nice. We should, was... Greg, we should try to see if we can do like a 12-way Skype. Oh, that would be fun, huh? Oh, God. That well, would... they're doing, uh, Cigar Dojo is doing something where they're doing uh, like a virtual, like people can like, it's like a 24-hour thing where you can just log in at any time, talk to some people. I was going to hop onto it maybe maybe later on this week. Nice. Really? I, I didn't know anything about that. I just, <laughs> I've been trying to work here in Barbie land just to try to get, you know, we're, we're gonna, like, it's this will be an interesting week for us because this is the week we were supposed to be at the TAA, and obviously the TAA was, was postponed till October. And, but they're going forward with uh, a webinar, I guess, of like virtual, like live that that that, that you can order, and we're going to have like the virtual trade show for a couple of things on Wednesday. And I'm like, is anybody going to really order anything? <laughs> you know, and that's a that's a pretty big show for us. It's a six figure show. And at this point, I just can't see that many people being that aggressive in their buying pattern. But I hope that's that's not the case. Maybe they think, you know, hey, by the time this stuff ships, we'll be out from under it and we'll generate some volume. And that's what I'm, I'm hoping for. So, yeah, I mean, uh, that, that makes sense. They order it now and it's like, you know, hey, we, we might not be able to ship it to you for three months. It's like, good, I can't pay you for three months anyway. Yeah, right. I know. Yeah, that's gets kind of like I think maybe it'll all work out. Everybody's but nice. we got to keep our chins up. We got to keep smoking. We got to keep talking. Keep Absolutely, going to get through this. What we're doing is a vital service to the cigar community. I mean that sincerely because it's hell. Even when I'm in my office, I'm watching you guys. You know that because I'm giving you little shots here and there. <laughs> Don't you guys You're giving do? me little shots? You're not giving Greg any yeah, shots. Yeah. Give you the, the layers. The lay got enough layers uh, on. I didn't say anything like, though when I asked him to be my fourth, but you know I'll let it slide. 
must have turned. I probably logged off before that. that I got question, but uh, no, but I, I know what you guys are doing, man. And and I still want to, when this is all said and done, be able to go up there and we'll we'll do the thing from your studio. Absolutely, we would be nothing would make us happier than to do that. Um, John, thank you so much for thank for, for talking to us. And, time. Absolutely, absolutely, and, and spreading some of the joy, letting us know about a lot of the new stuff. And like you said, knowing about these these newer releases gives some people something to look forward to. Uh, we're gonna get through all this. We just got to do it together. Um, and thanks a lot, man. We'll talk to you again soon. And uh, everyone out there, thanks for watching. We're gonna be doing a lot of these coming up. Uh, God bless. Stay safe and uh, keep smoking if you can. Wash your hands. <laughs>